told you this morning that I would uh, share from the subject of uh, trusting God in trials. Even uh, Brother Leon this morning, in, in his introduction, he used the words or, or phrasing something like this that uh, some of you may feel that you have uh, have lost something or lost some things in, in the past year or so. And uh, of course, he didn't say what. And I was thinking the same thing. In fact, I wrote something down here that something like that. Um, and so you, you may be feeling uh, bad or, or sorry for yourself or sorry for your, your church because you, you feel like that something has been lost. Now, um, I, I'm not going to suggest what that would... If, if I would ask you, you know, each one of you, is there anything been lost, whatever that means, you know, in the last year or two, then, you know, I'm sure there would be various uh, answers. Um, with, with that in mind, I would like to turn to a couple of scriptures. I'll be turning to numbers of scriptures this afternoon. I invite you to take your Bible and follow along with me. But let's look at a couple of verses in Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs in chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And maybe before I, I talk about that, um, let me just make a couple more comments. Um, the fact is, I think all of you would, would agree uh, that you cannot go back in time. I mean, the past is the past. And we can't back up. Now, let me quickly say that there is something, some things you can do. If there's things you need to make right, if there's repentance that needs to be made, if there's confession, you know, of course, we need to do that. But as far as actually going back in time and doing it again, we cannot. You know what? God knows that very well. Um, and therefore, He's not asking us to back up. But you know what He is doing? He's saying, you must go from here. And he would suggest that you go with him. That's a big statement. Go with him in, in all across the board, in all of life. Uh, along with, with that, you know, yes, we think back, we look back, but we cannot go back. And, and some, something that will happen, something that does happen when we go through difficult times, especially in times of tragedy. There's blame that is placed somewhere. And the devil would like to take that part and really play tricks with you. You know, why did this happen? It happened because of this, or because of this, or because of that brother, or because of this sister, or because of that group, or because of this, you know. And you can wallow in that for a long time if you want to. But did I say, we, we must go from where we are. We, we cannot go back. We are here today, and tomorrow is coming, Lord willing, and we, we must go forward. But nevertheless, it's natural to feel like you maybe some, some things you've lost, and you're disappointed about some some things you, you may be lost. And I already said to you, that could be a, a whole array of things that your answer might be what, what maybe you have lost in, in, this, in these problems that you've gone through. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Verse 24. There is a scattereth, and yet increases. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, 
And he that waters shall be watered also himself. What am I saying? Part of what I'm saying is that since you cannot go back, you have to say, God, this is where we are. And I'm willing to lay that down and to give it up. And to start from here. I'm willing to, to give. I'm willing to give. I'm, I'm willing to not try to keep it for myself when, when it's too late or I can't. Or it's not my fault. I, I have no control over it. So, you know, somehow it left and you allowed it to be taken. I, I'm, I'm willing to give. That's your will. And, and, and you know, I'm not saying everything is God's will. I'm just saying that this is where we are and we have to go from where we are. Um, if there's some other area in your life where you know that you need to be giving, giving up, giving yourself or giving up your ideas, read those verses again. When we give that that's not ours to keep, God will bless. God will bless to give. And, and so you could look at, at a similar verse um, that some of you could say by memory. It's Ecclesiastes 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Back in November of 2000, back in November of 2000, the two bishops of our district, the Blue Ridge District of the Southeastern Conference, the two bishops were the same age. And it was time for them to retire, both bishops at the same time, because they were the same age. They were John Rister and Lester Hinkle. And so it was decided uh, in our district that uh, naturally it looks like we should have an ordination for, for two bishops. We might as well do it at the same time because Brother John and Brother Lester are the same age and it's time for them to retire. So there were six or seven, or I'm not sure, maybe eight ministers in our district. And uh, we had our nomination uh, service and the bishop went around and counseled those who were named, and as it came down to it, uh, the only two to be considered were Gerald Good and myself. And you realize we live both down at South Boston, and most of our churches are in the Harrisonburg area. We were both from the same congregation far away, and we were the only two that were being considered for, for these two bishops. Well, guess what? That ordination was to be that a certain Sunday evening, and it was my turn to preach at Ebenezer on that Sunday morning. <laughs> what would you have preached? You can, you can kind of feel... You could not kind of. You could probably understand how Ebenezer felt. You know, we have Nathan and Gerald as our ministers, our pastors, and now it seems like the Lord, or the Lord, is calling them both to be bishops in our district. That means they'll be gone. And God, what, what are you doing? And I had to preach that Sunday morning at Ebenezer. before we were ordained that Sunday evening at Harrisonburg. And so, I said something like this to the congregation. I said, Greetings in the name of Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. 
Where does that come from? Um, it comes from um, uh, you that from the other congregation. Maybe you've already studied this one, <laughs> like we studied one this morning. Um, but that comes from Genesis 22, where God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, and offer him for a burnt sacrifice. And Abraham, in faith, did went through the steps. You know the story. And, and, and he was so determined to do what God said and to obey God exactly, he lifted the knife to slay his son, and the angel stopped him. And then there was a ram caught um, in the thicket. And, uh, but, but God told him, don't, don't, Abraham. Now I know, I know that you are with me. I know that you will obey. I know that you're following me. And uh, then he took the ram that was caught in the thicket and offered it as a sacrifice. And uh, that's where the word we have determined in there in Genesis uh, 22, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Because Isaac had asked Abraham, now, now, Dad, you know, we have the fire and we have the wood and we, we have everything, but wh- where's the lamb? And Abraham had told Isaac, Isaac, the Lord will provide. And I'm, I'm not, if you haven't studied that recently, I encourage you to do so. That's in Genesis 22, but then, then there's a scripture in, um, in Hebrews 11 where it talks about... Uh, you know, those men of faith. And, uh, and it says in there that, in, these, in my own words, it, it says that, that um, Abraham had, had, really, had really offered Isaac. Because he said he, he realized that he knew that if the Lord wanted to and needed to, he could bring him back from the dead. Read Hebrews 11 if you haven't read, read that verse recently. He knew that, that God could bring Isaac back from the dead if necessary. That's how far he, he he went all the way with God. I mean, he had given up. He had given up his only son. I'm just trying to say to you here in this beginning here this, this afternoon, you know, you're, you're where you are. You, you need to just, to just let some things go and, and give up. And, and if you... You know, it's starting over or it's starting afresh or recommitment or repentance or whatever you need to do it's in, in order for you, then, then do it. Give up, give up, give in, and, and do it. Um, you ever heard that little chorus, Let Go and Let God Have His Wonderful Way? You've heard that? Come on. Okay, maybe Milo and I can sing it for you. Uh, let go and let God have His wonderful way. Let go and let God have His way. Your burdens He'll banish. Your night turn to day. Let go and let God have His way. Sing with me. Let go and let God have His wonderful way. Let go and let God have His way. Your burdens he'll banish, your night turn to day. Let go and let God have his way. Now sing with me. Let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Your burdens he'll banish, your night turn to day. Let go and let God have His way. I'm going to stand away from the mic and move it one more time. Let go and let God have His way. Let go and let God have His way. See, Abraham did that, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. His deep faith was counted unto him for righteousness. 
Uh, let's turn to Psalm 17. Psalm 17. While you're turning there, maybe I could make just another comment or two quickly about Gerald and I being ordained as bishops for the district at the same time and I having to preach that Sunday morning before the ordination on Sunday evening. I said some other things, of course. I said, God will provide for Mildred and our children. I said, I know God will provide for Gerald and Joyce and their children in this new assignment, these new responsibilities. I said, look at the history of Ebenezer. I said, my great-grandfather took some giant steps to, to start the work at South Boston. And then his son, my grandfather, took some giant steps to continue to come there and be a supporter and continue to work at South Boston. And other men took big steps to continue the work at Ebenezer. Um, and I said, uh, what's happening today and tonight there in that ordination? I said, it's just a, a other steps that God is, is working through and working in in the, in the life of, of the congregation. And we need to look at it that way. Steps that God orchestrated and ordained in, 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 in the life of the, of the congregation. Psalm 17. Why am I looking at this? What we have here is um, the psalmist uh, making some re- requests to God. But I- I'm pointing out essentially two things. The fact that he's making requests, but maybe over and before that is the fact that he's coming to God with a pure heart. And so I'm sure in the last year or so, you've made some requests to God concerning your, your church, your congregation. And likely you will in the days ahead. What I'm challenging you and I with is this. When we make requests to God, when we come to God asking for this, uh, are we coming with a pure heart? Because when we do, then God can easily hear and answer prayers. But if there's things in our lives and our hearts that need to be taken care of, then we need to do that. But this psalmist is, is a beautiful example here of him coming with an open and a pure heart as he makes his request. So let me just point out places where the psalmist is coming with a pure heart. Right from the beginning, it says, Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. So he's saying, God, Lord, Lord, I'm coming to you. He was going to the right source, you see. Verse 3. Thou hast proved my heart. But by the way, I didn't finish uh, what are, more of what I want to say in verse 1. He says in the end of the verse, he's coming with unfeigned lips. In other words, he's coming with proper lips. Not improper lips. Okay? Verse 3 now. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. You see, the psalmist is open and clear before God. Verse 4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of my lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. He's kept out of the way of Satan. He's kept away from Satan. Verse 5. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. He had a desire not to fall. He had a desire to walk right and, and firm and not slip. 
He had a desire to be righteous and not sin. First part of verse 6. I have called upon thee. God, I, I'm, I'm calling to you. I'm calling to the right source, the right one. I'm calling to the God of the universe. Okay, so in those five or six instances there, we can see the psalmist is making his request with a pure heart, from a pure heart. Now, what is the request? Let's, let's look at verses that talk about the fact that he is asking God, requesting God. See, he's going to the right place. So, back to verse 1. Hear the light, the right, O Lord. So, he's going to God. He's going not to some other person, not to some other thing, but he's going to God. Um, Verse 5. Hold up my goings in my path. He's making that request. God, I want to be right and true before you. Verse 7. Show thy marvelous loving kindness. God will do that when you come in with pure hearts. Verse 8. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Lord, watch me and protect me. From the, continuing in verse 9, from the wicked that oppress me, keep me from the things of the devil. Keep me from the crystal Satan. I, we could, you know, now just read the whole nine verses without commenting, but I'll let you do that in your private devotions. Uh, so maybe in the next few days if you want to read that. And, but, but just think of these two things in particular. Let the Holy Spirit tell you other things also, of course. But he's requesting from God, and he's request, making these requests with a pure heart. It's so important. Let's turn now to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Now, I don't know what I've said already. You call it homework or not, but I'm giving you homework right now. <laughs> Isaiah if you haven't read recently uh, and want to have some encouragement, read Isaiah 40 through 45. That's six chapters. Isaiah chapter 40 through Isaiah chapter 45. Those six chapters. Uh, if you have headings in your Bible, and many of your Bibles do, I'm sure, you'll notice that a lot of the headings in these chapters is comfort. Comfort because of this. Comfort because of that. Comfort through this. Comfort. And God is comforting His people. Um, so, I just want to use an example, uh, some verses right here out of the middle of these six chapters. And that is chapter 43 of Isaiah. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll read all these verses or not, but let me let me just show you something. God is telling the people over and over again who He is and what He wants to do for them and who they are because of Him and what He has done for them and that kind of thing. That sounds very encouraging, does it not? That sounds very comforting, does it not? It certainly does. Like I said, these, all these six chapters are on this thing of comfort because of different situations and through different ways and means and so forth. Um, but notice how the tone changes for just a little bit here in the end of chapter 43, starting at verse 42, so, uh, starting at verse 22. Starting verse 22. Notice it begins with the word but. He's saying, but people, all these things in these six chapters are the possibilities. All these things are the truth about me, God is saying. And all these things are possibilities about you. And all these things I have in the future for you. But Israel, you need to get on the stick because you have sinned. And you're not living like you should. So he said, but, verse 22, 
but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. And then he talks about the, the wrongness they've been doing in their sacrificing in the next couple of verses. And again, I, I just say, you know, there, there's much comfort. These, these six chapters are full of comfort. That's why I ask you to, to read them sometimes on your own. They're full of comfort. But there's some qualifications that we need to meet. And God has some things to say to them uh, that they need to stay up on. I think I'll just read a few of these verses and then, and then show you something else. Um, you know, if I had a board or something, I'd probably write something, but, but I, I won't do that. I'll just tell you about it, and you can, you can do this little homework assignment on your own, especially if you're taking notes. Let me begin reading uh, from the first verse of, of Isaiah 43. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by my name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I think I'll just stop right there. Well, let me, look, I see I have something underlined in verse 4. Verse 4. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. You have that theme just going over and over in chapters 40 to 45. Uh, that just puts a smile on my face. Again, go home and read these for yourself and let it encourage you and comfort and strengthen you. But, um, so, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Four different times, just in these, in these 21 verses, before he gets to the but of verse 22. So, in the first 21 verses of chapter 43 here, four times he tells them, I have made you. Five times he tells them, I have redeemed you, or something similar to that. Six times in these 21 verses, he tells them, you are mine. One time, and I just read it, in verse 4, I love you. And this is, he wasn't saying it all these other times, but he certainly saying it many times without actually using the word. Furthermore, seven times in these 21 verses, he says, I am God. I am the God. Two times in these 21 verses, he's saying, I am with you, or I will be with you. And two times in these verses, he says, there is a way. There is a way. So beautiful. Now, probably uh, over the last months or something, you've, you've thought about Job and some of the things that he went through. Maybe. A lot of times you thought about Job. There would be much that you could take from him, but I'm going to just look at just one little spot, just a few verses at one place. It's in Job 23. Job 23. And, um, of course, all of you know the story of Job and all that he went through and how he came through it with a clean slate. But Job 23... Just verses 8 to 12. Verse 8. Job said this, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. 
and backwards, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. And let me stop before I finish this little passage and say, yeah, some of you are saying, yeah, I felt that way many times. I felt that way many times. I felt like Job when they where is God? What is God doing in this situation? I've looked up, I've looked down, I've looked left, right, back and forth, and I, where is God? Well, that's what he just said, but he's not done yet. Verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath cried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of my mouth, of his mouth, more than my necessary food. In other words, there, where I just finished reading, he said, I really laid into the words of God. I mean, I really devoured the words of God. I mean, I kept my sanity with the words of God. Have these things here in the last year or so driven you to His Word more so? Has it helped increase your Bible reading? I mean, has His Word been precious, more precious to you than ever? That's what Job said. And we know how He came out through all this. He stayed on top and He stayed right with God. He did not sin it's a whole story in itself. Now, so after what he had said in verse 8 and 9, then notice, and I emphasize that at the beginning of verse 10, but he knoweth. He knoweth the way that I take. And I'm telling you this afternoon, God knows what's happened here in the last months and years. God knows. God knows that. In fact, he knows it better than you do. And better than I do, of course. With that in mind, I would look, like to look at a few verses from the Psalms to help us know, to, to rivet in our minds the fact that God knows. God knows. So I invite you to take the Bible and turn with me to a few of these Psalms, um, looking at the fact that, that God knows. Hmm. Uh, psalm 30, first of all, we'll just take them uh, in order that they come in a psalm so it's easy for you to turn to. But Psalm 30. Verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endures but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. God knows what we're going through. In His favor is life. What that means really is uh, we have His favor for a lifetime. He knows we need Him all the time. He knows that we're going through difficult times, but He knows that joy can come in the morning if we do our part. Psalm 31 and verse 7. Psalm 31, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Did, did I say God knows? He has considered our trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. God knows. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Verse 4. 
I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. God knew that the psalmist needed some deliverance, needed to get rid of his fears. God knew that, and He took care of it. Verse 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. He can say the same thing. God knew his situation, and he saved him out of his trouble. God knew. God knows. Verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. God knows if we're fearing him or not. God knows them that fear him. And he delivers them with his angels that encamp around them. Now, in these three verses, verse verse 4, 6, and 7, just just notice something else. In each one, all three of those verses, there's the part for us to do, and then there's the response of God. Look at verse 4. The psalm said, I sought the Lord. That was the part he needed to do, and it's what you need to do and I need to do. I sought the Lord, and then what did the Lord do? He responded to that. And He heard me and delivered me from my fears. Look at what happened in verse 6. What did the psalmist do? This poor man cried. Have you been crying out to the Lord in the last months? This poor man cried, and then the Lord responded. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. And then in verse 7. What was the psalmist doing? He was fearing God. And as a response to his fearing God, he was delivered by the angel of the Lord. God knows. God knows your heart. God knows your needs. God knows where you are. Yes, He does. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verses 23 and 24. Verse 23 and 24, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God knows. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God will help you go where you should go if, if you're a good man. He used the word good, you're a righteous man. In fact, uh, though we stumble and fall, we will not be utterly cast down because God knows that we fail, God knows our needs, God knows our weaknesses, and He'll uphold us with His hand. God knows. Psalm 46 and verse 1. Psalm 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. See, He knows when we're in trouble, and He's there and He'll be our refuge and strength. God knows our situation better than we do. Psalm 50, verse 15. Psalm 50, verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God knows our needs. God knows when we're in trouble, and He's there to deliver us. Let's look at one more before we move on, and that is 55, Psalm 55. Psalm 55, verse 22. Verse 22 of Psalm 55. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Now, I have to tell you a little story about that one. There would be a few of you here that I'm sure would know that uh, you've heard part of that verse uh, 
or Merced Merced's music. Where does it come from? It comes from Mendelssohn's Elijah, the oratorio Elijah by Mendelssohn. And where is it? Where does it come? Where does that little short song come by? It's, it's, it's this verse here. It's the first part of this verse. And the rest of that little short song is it's verse 3 of, of Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse 3 is the rest of it. It's just a little one-page, one-verse song. Do you realize where it comes in the oratorio? Okay, so Elijah. The oratorio by Mendelssohn Elijah is just a story of part of the life of Elijah. All of you children, even, you know, in Sunday school you learn about when Elijah had a contest uh, with uh, the worshipers of Baal. And Elijah said, let's, let's do something. Let's, uh, let's build altars to our gods. I'll build an altar to, to my God, and you build an altar to your gods. And we'll see which god or which gods will send down fire from heaven upon the altar. And so the prophets of Baal, you know, where I won't, I'll just have to go through it really quick. They, they built the altar, and, 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 they so, and, and, and so then they got it all ready, and then they start praying to Baal. And, and they cut themselves with knives, and they hollered louder, and Elijah made fun of them and said, maybe you're not sleeping, or maybe you're not talking loud enough, or, you know. And, and so they did all kinds of things, and of course, fire and everything. Then it was Elijah's turn. So Elijah then built his altar. And of course, we know Elijah, he poured lots of water around it and on top of it and everything so that everybody knew there was no fire there. And now it's time for Elijah to pray. And Elijah being a man, he probably some things were going through his mind. You can imagine some things that might have been going through his mind. Oh God, we've come this far. Oh God, will you really send fire and convince these poor worshipers? Please God, how is this going to work? Now, all those thoughts are not presented in the oratorio. Some of them might be. But Elijah, the next thing Elijah needs to do is pray and ask God to send the fire down. And inside his heart, he's probably wringing his hands like I'm doing. In the oratorio, in Mendelssohn's oratorio of Elijah, right at that point, before he prays for the fire, the chorus sings, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never have the righteous to fall, and so forth. Thy mercy, Lord, is great. Let none be made ashamed that wait upon thee. <laughs> and so beautiful when you listen to that oratorio and, and, and know what Elijah must be going through just before he prays. And, and they, they, they put these two verses of Psalms in there just to, to help you know that the real good heart of Elijah would have been saved. God, I give it to you. I cast my burden upon you. It's in your hand, God. I know I'll be safe. I know this will come out all right if you're in it. And then after the chorus sings, cast my burden upon the Lord. Then Elijah prays, and the fire falls from heaven. God knows. God knows your needs. He knows mine. He knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. He knows the needs of your congregation. He knows the needs of your church. Um, I would like to read you right now the words of a song. It's not in your book. 
need to do this. I was just kidding. I don't need to do this, but I want to. Now, most of you, of course, are aware of Brother Ken Miller from Stewart's Draft that was in the prison for some time. Um, he was in and out of prison at the beginning, and then, you know, there was this uh, time when he was free before they really decided that he needed to spend two and a half years or whatever in, in prison. In that intervening time, before he had to go back to prison for this over two years, his family made up a recording of songs. How many of you have that recording? Oh my. Oh my. You, you need it. it. You can't buy it. They're not for sale. They're for free. I, I'm going to try to get I know they, they, they gave out all the first ones, but I'm pretty sure they, they made more and they'd like to have some available. Okay, so... What kind of songs would you have recorded with your family just before you went back into prison? And, and when you when you hear the, the family sing, and you realize the songs that were selected, and you say, "Oh, I can I can understand why they chose that song." Oh, sure, I can understand why they chose that song. In their situation with their fathers. The future uncertain. I can understand why they chose that song. I, I just have to say a couple more things. Okay, they made that recording just before the two youngest boys' voices changed. Okay, the two boys were like 11 and 13 years old when they made that recording. Their voices hadn't changed yet. They sing beautiful soprano. I mean, yeah, they sound like a good lady singing soprano in two 11 and 13 year old boys. It, it's wonderful. Now, see, this has been about four years later now, three years later. Both of their voices have changed. They sing in a quartet with their two older brothers. Have they sung here? You need to get into some of that. So their two older brothers, you know, in their 20s. And then the two younger boys now are like maybe maybe uh, uh, 15 and 17 years old or something. The youngest one sings bass. The, the, the next to the youngest sings the baritone. And the two oldest ones sing the same. And it makes you cry because you, you hear the boys singing on that recording, the beautiful, clear soprano, and now they're singing the bass and baritone with their older brother singing to me. Uh, it's wonderful. Why am I saying all that? <laughs> I'm saying the recording would be good for most of you to hear. So I'll try to get some copies. I'll try to research and make sure they got some and get some and just maybe uh, drop them off here sometime in your ministry and let know that, hey, you know, there's a few recordings here that Ken Miller family if you want to listen to something like that anyway. But listen to this song. By the way, this is one they did on the recording. Is there a heart or bound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing. All your anxiety, leave it there. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. Never a burden you cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. No other friend so keen to help you. No other friend so quick to hear. No other place to leave your burden. No other one to hear your prayer. Come, then, at once. Delay no longer. Heed his entreaty, kind and sweet. You need not fear a disappointment. You shall find peace at the mercy seat. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. Psalm 84. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 84, I'd like to make a, a couple of comments on the some verses there. Psalm 84. Uh, again, just for lack of time, I'm not going to read it. If you, what's the Psalm say? 
Well, the heading in my Bible says something like this. The joy of dwelling with God. The joy of going to church. The joy of worship. Of worshiping the high and holy God. The joy of gathering with fellow believers of like faith. That's basically what it says. Now, with that in mind, notice how he ends the psalm. So I'll just read the last two verses. Verses 11 and 12 of Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. There's two verses that I know nearly all of you can say by memory. And I'd like you to just say them with me. Don't turn to it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, it begins, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to thine own understanding. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Yeah, if you can't say them by memory, then that would be another homework assignment. There are two verses that you should be able to say by memory at any time, all the time. And if you haven't thought about them lately, they should be a, a comfort to you and a help to you. Trust in the Lord. Not just in your way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Not in your head. Not with part of your head, but trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. That goes along with some of the things maybe I said this morning. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Well, I understand it this way. Well, I see it this way. Well, I think this is the way we ought to do it. Well, I think this is the way we ought to believe. Well, I think this is how we should practice. What does the church think? What does the brotherhood think? What is best for the situation? What, what is feasible for the situation? What would be best for everybody altogether as the body? You see? And lean not unto thine own understanding. The wise man said that many, many years ago. And then he went on to say, In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Not in some of your ways. Not if you feel like it or not, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. And then there's a promise. And he shall direct thy path. It makes me smile. And it makes me say, Praise the Lord. Wonderful God. Psalm 62. You know that song, uh, Glory, Hallelujah, I shall not be moved. Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Where does that come from? It comes from Psalm 62. Let's look at a couple of verses there. Verse 1 and 2 of first two verses of Psalm 62. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, verses 5 to 8. Verse 5. My soul waits thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Does that sound like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. 
speak. I'd like to read your notes now. Again, it's not in your book. Um, by the way, uh, these couple of songs I'm looking at here, um, they're in John Martin's purple book, and some of you I'm sure have it at home. The first one I read just while ago was 167, and this was 166, <laughs> entitled a while fear hints there's something God will uh, God will deny. Okay, so listen closely uh, as I read. In other words, it's, it's starting out by saying, we when we have fears, then then the devil would give us a thought that that we could not have. Okay, so that's how it kind of begins. While fear hints there's something God will deny. No good thing, in faith decisive reply. But no good thing is faith decisive reply. In other words, no good thing will he withhold from us, the Bible says. Whatever he withholds is most wisely denied. How full is the promise the Lord will provide. So if he does withhold something from us, it's because of his wisdom that he withheld it. It's for our best. That's the first verse. The Lord will provide. Now, second verse. Be gone, unbelief. My Savior is near, and for my relief will shortly appear. But faith, by faith, let me wrestle, and he will perform. With Christ in the vessel, I smile at the storm. His love in time past forbids me to think. He'll leave me at last in trouble to think. Each sweet Ebenezer I have in the I have in review confirms his good pleasure to help me quite through. Why should I complain of want or distress, temptation or pain? He told me no less. The heirs of salvation I know from His Word through much tribulation must follow the Lord. And last verse, those troubles of fail and dangers of fright. Though friends should all fail and foes all unite, yet one thing secures us, whatever betide, the Scriptures assure us the Lord will We're right here in Psalm. If you just turn back a couple more pages to 37, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, beginning at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and there thou shalt be fed. Delight, verse 4, thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Thine heart. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I'll stop right there. But you've looked at that before. There you have trust, delight, commit, rest in the Lord. And then He gives the promises. If we do that, then there's the promises for us. Your own sister Wendy Good has written this song entitled Trust. She's written it in the form of an acrostic. It's been recorded in a beautiful way by the five 
note system of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you want a, a good lady's recording, I mean, it has some, some good loads. They have a couple of girls in the family that have extra low, substantial voices. And, and so their quartet, their, their septet, five of them, whatever you call that, they, they sing so beautifully with depth. And they recorded this one song of, of Wendy's uh, entitled Trust, the Acrostic. Let me read you the words. Trust in the Lord. Hope, O my soul, in His Word. He is for tenderness. Trust Him for His tenderness. R is for righteousness. Righteous are His ways. You for understanding. Oh, how limitless. S, He sees you. The Sovereign Lord sees. And do not fear. And do not strive. Wait. Rest. For He is in control. His timing is perfect. Let me read just several other verses in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. That's that wonderful um, scripture of invitation that begins, I won't read the beginning of it, but it's that one that begins, Oh, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters and drink, and so forth. That's Isaiah 55. Let me read just a, a, a few selected verses. Verse 3, verse three. Incline your ear and come unto me, hearing your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sore mercies of David. Verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And then verses 8 to 12. Verses 8 to 12, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but waters the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. There's joy in the future. We've looked at many promises from the Lord in these verses we looked at this afternoon. And uh, there's a brighter day coming. There's a good day coming. Uh, there's a joy, a day of joy coming. And um, we need to line up ourselves today uh, to be in the line of blessing when that, when that time comes, when that day comes for us, and for our, yes, our church and our people. Um, let me just close with, with, this, um, with this one verse from Psalm 27. It's another one, one that many of you can say by memory. It's Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I've asked the song leader to come and lead us in a, a closing song. And it is a song, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. It's in our song books, number 396. Number 396, that the song leader will come and lead us in that place. The Lord bless you.